language that everybody here can easily understand. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you. What we got here is a failure to communicate. Welcome to the Uncommon Communicator Podcast. Your host, James Gable, and Brandon Thompson are here to bring you enlightenment to the topic of communication. Yes, we are. Good afternoon, Brandon. Yeah, it, is, it is afternoon, James. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Right on. Um, so, hey, James. Yeah. Just, just yeah, real Brandon. quick. Just, just real quick. Sure. Uh, how do you fix a jack-o'-lantern? I, you tell me. You put a pumpkin patch on it. Yeah, yeah like dad joke. I like that one. Yeah, I bet you do. Okay. That's well, almost funnier than any Descartes joke you could ever tell. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's still like top five favorite jokes of all time. Not going to lie. No, I would agree. All right. What are we here to talk about today, James? We're here to <clears throat> talk about... Communication? Communication. Okay, great. And what kind yep. of communication are we here to talk about, James? We're going to talk about... We're going to talk about the news today, James. Oh, the news. Yeah. Like the real news or the fake news? It's all the news. Because what is the news if not communicating stories, communicating events, communicating things that occur, communicating just people, results, that kind of thing, right? They're here to give us information or to communicate information. That is exactly what the news is designed to do. So looking into the news, how does that affect the uncommon communicator? So there's a lot of news out there, James. It's a lot of news. There, there, there's there's a lot of different places you can receive your news. There's a lot of different outlets. There's a lot of different people delivering the news. There's a lot of different reasons for why certain people are like delivering the news. There's a lot of different reasons why they have the headlines that they do in order to get you to look at certain things. Right? Sounds and like it, marketing to me. It sounds like marketing. Sounds like, you know, like profiteering. A lot of different things. Like there's there's a lot that goes into the news. Um, but let's just kind of start with like a brief history of how we used to receive our news, how we currently receive our news and that kind of stuff. Right. Yep. Cause I'm assuming back in the 1800s when I was in high school, yeah, back when you were in high uh-huh. school, yeah. uh, like you didn't have a smartphone in your hand. I did not even have a phone. Yeah. There wasn't a Zuckerberg around to deliver Facebook. He wasn't born yet. No. Right. No. So his, his evil crafty ways weren't, weren't around yet. They were not. Um, there, there wasn't a phosphorescent screen shining brightly at you that we called a no. television set. Neither that is tubes back then. Back tubes. Okay. Um, you might have had a car radio maybe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So yes. but this is, that was AM more, only. Yeah. That was more night. That was more your, your teenagers. We're, we're going back to the 1800s to get you like at the very beginning. <laughs> Um, you know, like when you, you had the written word, right? Like the, like the, like a, like a printing press. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The Zuckerberg press. The, the Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> but I think where, where you're going is, uh, exactly where we're headed. We're going to talk about the news and I, I think you make some very valid points is back to the, it's, I think it's the Gutenberg press. It is the Gutenberg written. press, by the way. But was it a Zuckerberg? I don't know. It's a German name that qualifies. <laughs> but it, maybe there is a tie to that. It's a conspiracy theory okay. somehow. Yeah, there you go. Zuckerberg and Gutenberg are in cahoots. There's time traveling involved. <laughs> Y'all can report that on the news. But one thing that it, it, this absolutely ties to the uncommon communicator. When we talk about how we receive our news has changed, which changes the credibility and even how they're communicating it now is so much different than when they did it back before say the 1950s even. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been kind of a fascinating little study that we've have gone through this afternoon, trying to look at the idea of that change and how it changes along with our ages as well too. And that brings the question to myself is what's credible anymore. I mean, it's, it's a very valid question. 
Um, but so, you know, we, we can start back back in the yield days. So you had the printing press. You had the written news, right? So think about it this way. If a news company was going to print out that many copies of a newspaper, that way a dude could say extra, extra read all about it. They were going to definitely have a journalist that would write the deal. They're going to definitely have an editor that would go through and check for spelling mistakes and yada, yada, yada. And then there's like the actual head of the newspaper that's going to, you know, be like, nah, that story is not good enough. It's not going to make it in. That story is going to make it in. Different things like that, right? So that's at least three. This is three sources bare minimum just on face value. I can tell you right now that there's more involved than just those three sources. <laughs> Sounds so easy. But like, you know, there's that's at least three sets of eyes that are looking at this one story. All right. Then you move right along and you have radio. Right, right, moves into the cars, moves into the home, right? It used to be that they would just have the radio and everybody would sit around the radio as opposed to everybody sit around the TV. Obviously, you have like a nightly radio news broadcast, right? News wasn't a 365 or 24 hour, 365 day a year like cycle, right? You would just, you would sit down, you'd get your nightly news at like seven o'clock on channel seven or, you know, tube seven, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Same with your paper news too, right? You mm-hmm. got them at times. That, you know, the, the whatever that had to get into print before they printed it in time to get the afternoon edition with that. You know, that's the there's the morning edition, the afternoon mm-hmm. edition. Right. And what you're talking about on the radio, there's a specific time. And even back then, when you listened to that radio, that was national stuff. Mm-hmm. You weren't even getting any local stuff no. at the time. So and, you know, it was held accountable by number one, all the listeners, because all the listeners were there was a ma- there's clearly a massive amount of listeners because there wasn't several different locations to grab to get said news from. Right. So radio comes along, radio changes the game again, and it, it you know makes it a lot more instantaneous, right? Like you're just going to get things streamlined, go through. Then TV comes in, so now you get like a visual aspect to it. And I mean, I I still remember the commercials for when seven seven news went to seven o'clock. They're like seven at seven. That sounds about right, and that's like again, you're local, right? So you're not getting national. It increases the volume of news that can be out there. It increases the amount of people recording, producing, and delivering the news. And, you know, so again, once again, you're receiving stories from several different sources, receiving stories that like, you know, we, we get stories that New York ain't going to get right. We, you know, New York's not necessarily going to talk about the elections that are currently going on in Colorado. So it's going to, you know, change those effects. Well, and it, uh, when we do make national news, it's a big deal. Yeah, no, I've, yeah. I've ran into and I've talked to people in Texas or wherever where they made a big point. Hey, that made national news. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they've grown to that point where it's big enough to actually do that. Right. And so moving right along, you get the turn of a century. Smartphones are not a thing. You get computers in every single home. And now, you know, Facebook's a thing. Amazon's a thing. Uh, Google is like probably number one between searches and their own news outlets. That now it's a lot of online use or digital platforms where people tend to be getting their news from. Um, you know, I I can tell you right now, I probably get a bunch of my, mainly entertainment news. I get a lot of my entertainment news from Twitter, which is, um, you know, instantaneous first person tweeted out wins. Um, so just following the technology that news has been delivered through, their speed has increased every time, Right. Where the problem, or I should say the problem, but as you can see, so speed has increased every time and it affects the news, right? You no longer sit down and follow a story for two weeks, right? And, and you publish that in the news and then that's like a journey. You know, Clark Kent's no longer, you know, going, flying across the world as Superman, going and getting this and then coming back and writing a story for two weeks. And then it gets published in a newspaper. Maybe. Right. If, that's not, if that old Jameson will do it or is that the wrong... Uh... Perry White is, Perry White. is, is okay. his editor's name. 
Yes, Perry, Perry White. Jameson is uh, Spider-Man. Right? J. Jonah Jameson yeah. is Spider-Man. Sorry, yes. man, I got them, the two. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you credit for at least knowing that J. Jonah Jameson's the head of the newspaper. <laughs> also, superheroes of newspapers, apparently. Yeah. Anyway, right? But So you would have time to have to actually sit down. Number one, it takes a lot longer to sit down and write something than it does to just say something. Um, and then again, it goes through the process. So what we've seen with technology is that news has to come out fast. And as an uncommon communicator, we have sat down and we have discussed what happens when news has to come out fast. The accuracy might be questionable at best, right? It doesn't, right. It it doesn't matter. I shouldn't say it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong, but you have to be the first one to break it. Um, we, we discussed the famous incident with the plane crash, I think, in San Francisco or in, in California. We'll just say the plane crashes in California. Um, and the news anchors got on there and they were reading off the people that were like on the plane, the cockpit, or you know, the people that were in the cockpit. And legit, this makes it on the like, you know, the news. Uh, she She's reading the teleprompter and the teleprompter reads that the name of the pilot was Sumting Wong. Uh, and then the co-pilot was named We Too Low. And, and no one caught that. Someone, so I need you to understand when that happens, someone is legit typing that into the teleprompter. Read, like they have read it, they are typing that in, and then the person is saying it on the news before anybody figured out that that was inaccurate. I think that's why it's valid we talk about kind of our sources because I've seen that even on AP stories, Associated Press stories, which you think are legitimate sources, mm-hmm. that they kind of did the same thing. They, they went to the quick news. They're giving it as a legitimate source, and yet it's com- they're completely off. Yeah. So it's important to know that a lot of news is now you got to be first, right? Adam Schaffner or Adam Schaffner, pardon me, got into hot water when he reported that Andrew Luck was retiring, and he reported that I think at halftime as he was walking into the locker room of a preseason game, couldn't even let the dude get to the end of the game <laughs> to announce that he was going to retire in the press conference that Adam Schaffner was going to be a part of because he had to be first. Um, and, and that calls into question just journalism integrity in general, um, which can be an entire other episode of the uncommon communicator. But where are most people getting their news from these days, James? Well, I think that it, well, obviously it's from digital platforms. Okay. Print is clearly down and let's share some numbers on those, but clearly they're digital platforms. And I think looking at it as well now, like headlines were always the thing, right? It had to be a big sensational headline. It had to be an attention grabber. Well, now we're doing the same thing, only quicker without a lot of validation on that information. So do you have some data on where are we getting our source of news these days? So here's just the quote real quick. It says roughly half of Americans prefer to get news on a digital platform about a third prefer TV, right? So just the exact numbers, uh, digital platforms, 52%, television is 35%, radio is seven, and then print publications five. So you, a clear front runner, or, you know, there, there's a clear one and two, and then you kind of get a trickle down of the other ones. Um, and then the age discrepancy on this gets very, very interesting. Um, so... Online, most turn to news websites except for the youngest who are more likely to use social media, right? So they looked at the breakdown of how people actually get news. So you can obviously go to like cbs.com and click on the news and you can watch the news on cbs.com. You can go to NBC and you can watch the NBC, you know, national news on nbc.com. Um, you can also just search for these things, right? So if you go search in Google, it'll pull probably that same thing up. 
Or you could click on, you know, Facebook. Uh, we'll say MySpace, even though MySpace doesn't exist. MySpace. But, you know, you can click on Facebook and you can also see those same articles that'll pop up. And then podcast is number three. So they break this down by ages. Um, 28% go to news websites. 28% uh, just and then another 28% do Google searches. 42% of people from 18 to 29 use social media for their news. Wow. Okay. Social media. Yeah. Social media together. You're talking like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the TikTok. The TikTok. All right. So when we, so back up here again, right? So 52% of people prefer to get their news from digital platforms, right? So then to break that 52% down a little bit further, when you break it down in age ranges, 18 to 29, 42% of those people, of the people from 18 to 29, get their news from social media. And why is that a problem? So, okay, so obviously we know that social media is slightly problematic. If you have not seen the documentary, watch the documentary, um, The Social Dilemma. It's on Netflix. Very good documentary. This episode brought to you by Netflix. Yeah, that's, anyway. (laughs) Um, But there's obviously algorithms, right? There's been big conversations about people's data. What, What you're clicking on, what you're looking at, what you linger on, that kind of stuff. So when social media gives you those news stories or those news outlets... It's basing it on what you're going to click on because they want your data, right? Or they know your data and they need that kind of interaction. They're looking for that kind of a click. Um, where a, so a news network or like a news website, right? Can come up with all these stories and they can write, you know, 200 stories. I might only see one of the 200 stories that they've written and it's going to be because Facebook picked that one story specifically for me. Slightly problematic when one per, you know, one entity is driving exactly what you're watching or listening to. Um, ages 30 to 49. If you're going to get it digitally, it comes from like the news websites or apps. So from 30 to 49, you're actually going onto the website. You're going onto like NBC.com to click on it. Uh, 38% go actually go to there. 28% do searches 25. So just so a quarter of that age range do use social media and then 8% use podcasts. Um, and it kind of goes on from there, but those are, probably a majority of the United States. The other graph that I want to point out is just how little 18 to 29 uses print publication, radio, or television. 71% of the time they're using their smartphone. And then 30 to 49, 67% of the time. If you look at the age range from 50 to 64, it's almost pretty much dead even uh, smartphone and TV at like 40% a piece. And then 65 television or 65 plus television jumps up again. But what a lot of this is, is that the news people are receiving is through social media and through digital devices, no longer from not necessarily no longer from a TV, but that one is taking the cake over a print publication, a radio publication or a TV. Yeah. And I know it's hard to describe the graphic on that. And maybe we'll share that in the show notes. Yeah, we will, like I, we, we will share you a link uh, for this one as well. Sorry. But it is crystal clear that you can see the age group, the older group that grew up on television with the reliability of that anchor. That anchor had just a sense of responsibility, but they also had a sense of respect that people had for them, that they were bringing them the news to them, the Walter Cronkites of the world. That age group that watched Walter Cronkite is still watching the news on television. The age group now, that 18 to 29, they have only learned it through now social media, which, as we've talked, as you just mentioned, is being brought to us, tailored for us to hear what we want to hear. 
not necessarily what is 100% the truth. And then not only is it being tailored to us, which is very important, right, through a social media algorithm, but on top of that, there's no kind of filter for who can publish something and who can't publish something, right? Uh, I have a WordPress that I used in college. So I have a blog that I haven't used since college because I took a journalism class and I needed to write in a blog and come up with news stories, right, or journalistic stories for a class. I have a blog. Um, there are bloggers out there that have loyal followers that regularly read their content. What's the credibility for said blogger? What's the credibility for said podcaster? What's the credibility? If you watch the local news or something like that, there is an, a, a full blown organization behind them, right? There's, there's, there's the camp. There, there's a lot of people that are doing different jobs and they will be held accountable, right? That blogger that just posts something, what's the, there's zero accountability. Um, and as an uncommon communicator, it's important to number one, stay informed, but also important to understand if you're being misinformed. Right. And that's exactly where we're going to take all of this information and kind of wrap it up with a big fancy bow on how are we going to really make sure that we're getting it from a credible source. And, and there's ways that we can do that. And I think it's important to state as well, too. There's probably another some other data that we should talk about. Nine out of 10 of the top television shows news television shows news television shows are fox television programs yeah. one of them is an msnbc so we, here i was like just sorry i don't mean to cut you off but just real quick um the number one is the five number two is tucker carlson hannity is number three and those are the watch television shows this is the nielsen ratings those are the number three um number nine comes in on an msnbc on the rachel Maddow show uh, and that one roughly, it didn't telecast over the matter, but that was, so those are your nine out of top 10 for people that are watching on cable TV. That is what they're watching news was. And we all know that Fox tends to lead toward the conservatives. So they have some bias, but they're given information. We look at MSNBC, probably more on the liberal, liberal side, yeah. right? So there's clearly a higher percentage of people watching that conservative news based on those Nielsen ratings. But any way that you look at it, we all are going to look at the stuff that we like to listen to, mm -hmm. to the biases that, that we have. And that's okay. There's going to be that bias. But are, are we knowing that the information that we're getting is legitimate information, even if it does come with a bias? And how do we do that? And a lot of that comes down to the credibility of the source, right? So, and it's difficult. If, Let's just talk about clickbait for just a second, right? So if you're clicking on a headline, and we'll just use your example, when they were discussing Broncos letting go of a quarterback, right? Or Broncos quarterback gets cut is the headline, let's just say, or was the headline that you brought to my attention. And you click on it, and it's like, yeah, the practice string guy got cut. Great. Yeah. But what did you click on that? I thinking? clicked on it because I'm thinking, because they did not give a name, that that was going to be... This was pre-Russell Wilson. This is one of the 17 other quarterbacks that the Broncos had. But that's exactly it. So I clicked on it being clickbait, thinking that this was legitimate news. And they got me in there. And it was a story that I could really care less about. But they also hit me with a couple commercials while I was in there. I was like, yeah, right. And now they can charge more based off of website traffic because you decided to click on it. Um, but so number one, I will say pay attention to the headlines that you're reading. Uh, right. Like you can kind of, you can tell right away. It's not, you should be able to tell right away if something is clickbait or not. And it sucks when you do click on those stories. I know every single time I click on clickbait, I was like, dude, this is going to be a two second read. I'm just going to scroll down to the bottom. I'm going to see exactly what I want. I'm going to click on out of there. 
but pay attention and don't take that for straight fact, right? Know that it's clickbait. Know that they're wanting just to grab your attention real quick. So that way they can charge more for their ad revenue because you clicked on their website. Well, and I think that the thing I learned is those clickbaits, and I, I don't go to them, try not to, because it is bait. I mean, we're drawn to it. Mm-hmm. There's not enough fat. They should tell you that. Broncos quarterback Wilson not playing the, the reason why, you know, those they're giving you some information in that these things are clearly misdirecting you and it's deceptive and it's bad practice in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then number two, I will say for credible sources, there has to be consequences for the reporting of the news, right? The person can't just report it as news or report it as fact without any zero consequences. If a news anchor that is on television reports something that is completely and utterly false, Number one, someone's probably going to call them out on that. And then number two, if you don't think that's not going to make news headlines and someone's probably going to lose their job, be wrong. Uh, you don't have to look any farther than Brian Williams on the NBC Nightly News, right? Was reporting events of the Iraqi war that he, you know, he went over there to seize to try and do the reports. And when he came back telling those stories, they were over dramatized <clears throat> and inaccurate to a certain degree. And he actually still does report on NBC nightly news. However, he is no longer the face of NBC nightly news. And he gets like a, a bit like, you know, once a week and it's now Lester Holt sitting in that chair. He lost his anchor, the coveted anchor chair, the anchor, the coveted anchor chair. He lost his credibility. Right. So for, again, Brian Williams is a bit of a bad example, but for the most part, if there's going to be consequences for them misleading or not telling the truth, you can probably trust that source because ideally most people don't want to suffer those consequences. So you talked about accountability first, right? Mm-hmm. And then consequences. And I think that goes back to what we always thought was legitimate sources being the newspaper because there's not that many retractions to false information. Mm-hmm. But if somebody's called on it, they're going to retract it. It's a big deal. Of course, it might be in the op-ed section and way in the back, but they're going to apologize, right? But that's that ac- accountability part. And the consequences is there is that kind of almost third-party checking of the facts and they're having to remain accountable to their audience, right? Mm-hmm. Although I will say that one of the retractions that I wish got taken down or actually got received was the Boston Herald back in the day. They printed, did it have to do with Brady? It did. They actually uh-huh. printed a retraction. It was um, Spygate. They printed a retraction on what they cited as actual fact for them recording the pot or for them recording um, not game film, practice film. They printed a retraction specifically saying that they did not. And they said, sorry, Patriots, yada, yada, yada was the headline. Yeah. I think anybody actually read the second headline. No. No. Bob Kraft went on the record saying is the damage has already been done, yada, yada, yada. But again, same thing, right? They published this and now they have to re like they're now spending their own money to republish this. Consequences occurred. I, they're, a business is going to look to try and get that right from the first place. Um, the other thing, especially if you're going to get your digital news, if you are scrolling through, you know, websites or whatever, websites to look for that are quality websites, .org and .gov, .org and .gov are going to be quality websites or tend to be quality websites, you know, organization and or government for the information that you're looking for. Not necessarily news, but you can at least check the news or you can get information from those websites and it will probably be very credible. Yeah, I'll add into that. So also on yeah, on the dot org, the dot gov, when you talk dot com, anybody can get a dot com. We have a dot com. If the uncommon communicator has a dot com, they'll give it to anybody. But we're still credible, sort of. No, we're, mostly. 
We're 100% credible. Let, let, let's what not undermine our own credibility. No, no, we, we are credible. And not saying that all dot-coms, so that's a good example. Not all dot-coms are not credible. But when you look at where you're getting your sources from, then you're looking at a dot-org. It's typically there's some organizational requirements. I think of like Toastmasters.org. That's an organization that I'm involved in. There's consequences for people who might not represent the company like they should be represented. There's consequences that come along with that. Specifically, .gov, we have an, ex- an expectation that the government's going to do it. So you make a great point, which is those are can be credible sources, but that's what we need to do when we're looking at our sources. Make sure that it backs up to a credible source instead of being Joe in his basement. Uh, just spouting out his opinions about whatever he can, whatever he wants to. Yeah. Right. right. Don't, don't trust Brandon Thompson's WordPress. I don't even remember what it is anymore. <laughs> it's <laughs> probably blowing up and, and uh, I don't even know or something yeah, like yeah. that. You don't even know. <laughs> but yeah. So those are things to remember when you're looking at the nightly news, understand that how you receive your news can be important, right? Social media through a TV, through a radio, through print, how you receive it matters. Who's reporting it matters, and then the credibility of the source that it came from. Yep, those are all great points. And then, how do you specifically look at it? Account accountability mm-hmm. and consequences. There you go. So, if you do those things, you're at least bettering yourself and not believing everything that you clickbait on. Yeah. What was a uh, Denzel Washington famously? It was the, some election was going on, and they asked him. So we heard that you're changing your vote. Yada yada yada. And he's like, where'd you read that? And they go, the news. And he's like, ah, if you read the newspaper, you're uninformed. But if you or if you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. But if you read the newspaper, you're misinformed. Very so true. It's a dangerous game that we play. And to be an uncommon communicator, it is to be aware of what is driving these news companies and these news sources. So be aware. Is that our uncommon communicator moment? Yeah, be Stay woke, people. Stay woke, people. Quoted Brandon Thompson. Yeah, there you Stay go. woke, people. Hashtag. Mm-hmm. Got it. That's all I got. That's all I got. See, See you, bye. bye.